Coming up on Stu Does America, one of my favorite people, Fox News senior meteorologist Janice Dean, joins us to tell us all about her new book, Make Your Own Sunshine, and the uplifting stories she tells in it. And yes, some do actually still exist. And the battle to set up a framework for Joe Biden's gazillion jillion dollar infrastructure plan has begun. We'll take a look at the latest and how exactly we're supposed to pay these comically exorbitant amounts of money. Spoilers, you're paying for it. Uh, sorry about that. Thanks so much for tuning into the show tonight. We offer it completely free. Just do me a quick favor and head over to my Instagram page at Stu Does America and follow me there. You can find a link in the bio with all the ways to watch and share the show. Check it out or become a member of the Blaze TV team with your own subscription. Head over to blazetv.com slash stew and enter the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. Good journalism is hard enough to find these days, but pretty soon it's going to be impossible. Let's see how far we have fallen and do 60 Minutes versus DeSantis. Stu does America. Oh, there's some bad journalism out there, and we talk about it often, uh, though rarely do we see something as egregious and terrible as a recent report about Ron DeSantis on 60 Minutes. Now, 60 Minutes has had its problems over the years. It's kind of hard to narrow down to just a couple of mistakes, but you know, there's a few that might stick out in your mind. This one is going to be on that level. It's, it's, and it's, it's wrong to call it a mistake. It's not a mistake. This is intentional. The media has, I think, correctly identified Ron DeSantis as a leading contender for the 2024 presidential nomination uh, against Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whoever else is, is going to be the Democratic nominee. Why? Well, DeSantis t took uh, a freedom based approach to coronavirus, largely kept restrictions as light as possible. He, it wasn't no restrictions whatsoever, but it was as light as, as possible. It was the fourth oldest state in the union and a place where everyone goes for spring break. And, uh, you know, young people want to go there and, and college kids were there. And despite all that, you saw a situation where you saw middle of the number uh, road numbers for the actual covid uh, virus and its impact on the community. That's pretty remarkable considering how old the population was. And I will say DeSantis took the lead on, on doing things like keeping the beaches open when People like Gavin Newsom were saying, no, 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 don't go out. Uh, that being said, Ron DeSantis, his performance was was pretty good. He's, you know, people discussed him, you know, we've heard this before, uh, but a professionalized version of Donald Trump. A lot of the policies are the same. Um, and, you know, this is sort of meant as a knock, I guess, on Trump. But the, the bottom line is, you know, Donald Trump, for all the things that he did do well, he also got sidetracked a lot on things like whether, you know, Mika Brzezinski had a facelift. Like, you know, he, he went down those roads a lot. It was something that I think entertained him, quite frankly. Uh, but Ron DeSantis doesn't typically get caught up in stuff like that. But he does like fighting with the media. <laughs> he likes to do a lot of the things that people like about Trump without some of the sort of uh, flares into the unknown that Trump would occasionally get uh, mixed up in. So just you could see why DeSantis would be a choice here. He's got a, an interesting profile. This report, however, was specifically designed to try to build a case to take him out of that race for 2024 and make him look like he did a terrible job. The media has tried to do this since the beginning of the crisis. Blame Florida for terrible numbers. Go after Ron DeSantis for things that were not true. And 
frankly, this report was probably the worst of the bunch, or at least one of the worst. Uh, here, let me give you a quick little taste of this. Uh, this is kind of the explainer as to what 60 Minutes is accusing Ron DeSantis of. It has to do with the vaccines and a grocery store chain named Publix, which if you've ever been to Florida, you've passed 937 of them because they're everywhere. Every single street in Florida must have a Publix on it. It's a law. Uh, and, and I believe it proceeds, Ron DeSantis. Uh, here is a clip from the 60 Minutes uh, calling out of Ron DeSantis. So why did the governor choose Publix? Campaign finance reports obtained by 60 Minutes show that weeks before the governor's announcement, Publix donated $100,000 to his political action okay, committee. Okay, stop, stop here for a second. First of all, note the setup. Why did Publix get these vaccines? Well, campaign finance shows that uh, they got $100,000 uh, and they donated it to his campaign. So they're telling you why, right? They're not actually telling you the reason this occurred was because of these donations, but they are highly insinuating it with no critical uh, aspect. They're not even saying critics say he got a bunch of money before these vaccines went out. They're just starting with, with why did this happen? Well, he got these donations, leading the audience to believe this was the reason he got the donations. And we need to step back for a second and think about how stupid this accusation is. Ron DeSantis is not going to assign vaccines to a grocery store chain over $100,000. He's the governor of one of the most economically powerful states in the union. $100,000 is nothing to his campaign. Nothing. It is not a material amount, especially to, 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 uh, to win a contract to get all the vaccines to go to Publix. Publix is a universal presence in Florida. It's everywhere. They do, it, they do things. They have a great deli, great sandwiches there. And everyone kind of goes there. It's a sensible place for this vaccine to be distributed. All right, pick up the clip. Friends of Ron DeSantis. Hmm. Julie Jenkins Fancelli, heiress to the public's fortune, oh has gosh. given $55,000 to the governor's PAC in the past. Oh, and in it, November, Fancelli's brother-in-law, Hoyt R. Barnett, a retired Publix executive, donated $25,000. Okay, stop again. Publix Look at how weak this case is. So $100,000 from Publix, which is not a large amount of money to his campaign. Uh, a person who is an heiress to the public's fortune... Uh, donated some money and someone who used to work there also do this is ridiculous this is a ridiculous case all right give me more did not respond to our request for comment about the donations hmm. governor desantis is up for re-election next year hmm. i imagine governor out. desantis's office would say look we privatize the rollout because it's more efficient yes and it works better it does it hasn't worked better for people of color okay stop before i can't even it hasn't worked better for people of color. Uh, do people of color go to grocery stores? Do people of color go to, do you under, I, it's hard to even describe how many Publix locations there are in Florida. They're everywhere. Uh, you know, as, uh, as we, as uh, has been noted, uh, about 90% of elderly people live within a mile and a half of a Publix in Florida, 90%. So that's of course why it would be sensible. Those are the people who need to be vaccinated most. But of course, we're going to turn this into a racial issue. Apparently, people of color, they can't get IDs to vote and they can't get to grocery stores. Neither one of these things are true. Uh, apparently, we're learning that now. OK, go on. Or I could call the public health director. And she would answer my calls. Uh, but now if I want 
uh, to get my constituents information about how to get this vaccine, I have to call a lobbyist from Publix. Stop. Make- okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. First of all, I don't know if this guy's telling the truth. Maybe he could call up some public health official and get them on the phone to ask them where to get the vaccine. I, I couldn't do that. Could you do it? Would you know how to do that? I don't know how to do that. I would know how to get to my local grocery store to get it, though. I have to shop there every week. So, yeah, I'm pretty aware as if I, you know, I know how to get there, know how to get to CVS, know how to get to Walgreens. These are the places where people will go to get the vaccine. No one calls up their public health officials to find out where to get the vaccine. And what do you mean you have to call up a lobbyist from Publix to figure out where to get the vaccine? It's at Publix. They're public locations. It's a giant grocery store. Go on to Google Maps and search for one. Or when you're there, you know, next week, you could stop in and get the vaccine. What are you talking about? You need to call a lobbyist from Publix. Why was that left in this report? Does anyone actually believe this is how you would get the vaccine? Hold on. I'm just going to call a not even call Publix. I'm going to call a lobbyist from Publix so they can tell me where the Publix is. This is insanity. He's just trying to. These are two roads that do not intersect. The donations and the vaccine are parallel. They do not mean a thing uh, to each other. They do not intersect to form the storyline. But 60 Minutes is going to go for it anyway. And they're going to talk to Ron DeSantis about it. (laughs) All right. Let me hear more. No sense. They're not accountable to the public. Distributing vaccines is lucrative. Under federal guidelines, Publix, like any other private company, mm-hmm. can charge Medicare $40 a shot to administer the vaccine. Okay, what, what does that, that does not favor them over anybody else? It's just, just nonsensical additional information because they had to force that in because they needed to make sure they didn't have enough time to get Ron DeSantis' actual response about what happened in this situation. Let's go to the next clip. Here is, uh, this is, this is how they framed it. Now I wanna tell you, this is highly edited, but this is how 60 Minutes framed the interaction with Ron DeSantis, watch. We wanted to ask Governor DeSantis about the deal, but he declined our request for an interview. We caught up with him south of Orlando. Publix, as you know, donated $100,000 to your campaign, and then you rewarded them with the exclusive rights to distribute the vaccination in So first of all, what you're saying is wrong. How is that not paid to play? That's a fake narrative. I met with the county mayor. I met with the administrator. I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the Publix. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. But Melissa McKinley, the county commissioner in the Glades, told us the governor never met with her about the public's deal. The criticism is that it's pay to play. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative and you don't care about the facts because obviously I laid it out for you in a way that is irrefutable. And so it's clearly not. Isn't there the nearest public? No, no, no. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Yes, sir. That's actually a fact. So look at the way this is presented. First of all, in this clip, DeSantis looks like he's very defensive, right? He kind of comes out and it's like, she asks him a question. He's immediately like, oh, fake news, fake news. He kind of gives that sort of like dismissive response. He talks all over her. He gives no facts. He basically is just kind of a jerk is the way they, 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 they put that clip together. Of course, it's not the actual clip, as you may be able to predict at this point. They edited out all of the facts that DeSantis gave and 
how he started the interaction, which was very calmly, and walked her through every step of the process. I'm going to play the entire clip for you so you actually know what happened, because what 60 Minutes did was a disservice to the facts and to this entire story about the vaccine and the virus and everything else going on. So this is for politics, but I want to play the entire clip here so that they don't get away with it. Watch. You That's her question. So first of all, that what you're saying is wrong. That's that that's a fake narrative. So first of all, when we did the the first pharmacies that had it were CVS and Walgreens, okay. and they had Not a long-term included. care mission. So they were going to the long-term care facilities. They got vaccine in the middle of December. Mm -hmm. They started going to the long-term care facilities the third week of December to do LTCs. So that was their mission. That was very important, and we trusted them to do that. Okay, stop. As we so right off the bat, Publix didn't get it first. The whole narrative is, is screwed up. They gave it to CVS and gave it to Walgreens first. That's part one. Continue. Got into January, we wanted to expand the distribution points. So yes, you had the counties, you had some drive through sites, you had hospitals that were doing a lot, but we wanted to get it into communities more. So we reached out to other retail pharmacies, Publix, Walmart. Obviously, CVS and Walgreens had to finish that mission. And we said, we're going we're gonna to use you as soon as you're done with that. For the Publix, they were the first one to raise their hand, say they were ready to go. And you know what? We did it on a trial basis. I had three counties. I actually showed up that weekend and talked to seniors across four different publics. How was the experience? Is this good? Should you think this is a way to go? And it was 100% positive, so we expanded it, and then folks liked it. And I can tell you, if you look at a place like Palm Beach County, they were kind of struggling at first in terms of the senior numbers. I went, I met with the county mayor, I met with the administrator, I met with all the folks at Palm Beach County, and I said, Here's some of the options. We can do more drive-through sites. We can give more to hospitals. We can do the publics. We can do this. They calculated that 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix. Hmm. And they said, we think that would be the easiest thing for our residents. So we did that. And what ended up happening was you had 65 Publix in Palm Beach. Palm Beach is one of the biggest counties, one of the most elderly counties. We've done almost 75% of the seniors in Palm Beach. And the reason is because you had the strong retail footprint. So our uh, way has been multifaceted. It has worked. Very calm, and we're also way. now very much expanding CVS and Walgreens now that they've completed the long-term care mission. Yes. And it's wrong. It's wrong. It's a fake narrative. I just disabused you of the narrative <laughs> and you don't care about the facts. So they took out all of the facts and just showed him being combative for no reason. We should point out CVS and Walgreens had it first. Walmart was also part of this second step with Publix. Uh, so Publix just said they had it. They were ready to go first, but there was no reason that there wasn't like favoring them or anything other than the fact that they said they were ready. Um, you also have to note that there has been mass effort by DeSantis to get this to minority communities. Um, and and of course, the top priority would be the long term care facilities that Publix wasn't even involved in. That was Walgreens and CVS. Now, to show you, because you could honestly say, OK, like I probably like Ron DeSantis, which I do. I think he's done a good job in Florida. Uh, and you might say, OK, well, conservatives are just going to defend DeSantis over anything. It's not just conservatives here. I mean, there has actually been some media sources that have come out and been critical of 60 Minutes here. But let me give you two particular people from Florida. 
Here is Jared Moskowitz. Uh, he is a Democrat uh, from uh, from Florida. He he says this. I said this, and I'll say I said it before, and I'll say it again. Publix was recommended by FLSERT, the Florida State Emergency Response Team, and Healthy Florida, the Florida Department of Health, as other pharmacies were not ready to start. Period. Full stop. No one from the governor's office suggested Publix. It's just absolute malarkey. And of course. When you say malarkey, Joe Biden can understand you. Uh, also, let me give you uh, Democrat Mayor Dave Kerner. He writes, the reporting was not just based on bad information. It was intentionally false. I know this because I offered to provide my insight into Palm Beach County's vaccination efforts and 60 Minutes declined. They know that the governor came to Palm Beach County and met with me and the county administrator, and we asked to expand the state's partnership with Publix to Palm Beach County. We also discussed our own local plans to expand mass vaccination centers throughout the county, which the governor has been incredibly supportive. We asked and he delivered. They had that information and they left it out because it kneecaps their narrative. Media are hell-bent on dividing us for cheap views and clicks. 60 Minutes should be ashamed. Again, that is a Democrat. A Democrat who knows Ron DeSantis is one of the leaders for 2024. This is the reason this happened, and it's going to continue to happen over the next couple of years. The, the short-term plan for Ron DeSantis is to knock him out of the governor's seat next year. They want to stop him before his campaign for president can get started. They're going to attack him constantly over the next couple of years to make sure that he does not continue as governor of uh, the state of Florida. And that is just, of course, a precursor to knock him out from contention in 2024. It's way too early to know what 2024 holds. Obviously, Donald Trump is still a wild card in this entire process. There's tons of other Republicans that are going to go for this. I mean, people want that gig. But I will say, this is an absolutely abominable job by 60 Minutes. Uh, it might have been 60 minutes long, but zero minutes were filled with truth. Back in a second. Scoremaster is here to help your credit score. The difference between getting, you know, a good car and a car that they'll give you with your credit. It's a good, it's a difference between getting a great apartment and one that they'll give you with your credit. The average Scoremaster user adds 61 points to their credit score in 20 days or less. But get this, you can add 33 points in just a few days. That's on average. That's a game changer. Even if you have a great credit score, Scoremaster shows you how you can improve it even more. It can tell you the downsides of uh, different varieties of activity. Uh, Scoremaster is so valuable, the average person logs in uh, almost five times a month. It's not just this once in a while thing. It's, it also gives you connection to your credit score. And your credit score is so important to your financial future. So take a minute to enroll. You could see your plus points really quickly. They can show you exactly how to do it, and they'll give you a million dollars in fraud insurance to protect your score. Go to scoremaster.com slash stew. Scoremaster.com slash stew. It's scoremaster.com slash stew. I'm so happy to welcome back to the show Janice Dean. She's the senior meteorologist for Fox News, as well as the author of Make Your Own Sunshine, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. Janice, thanks so much for coming on. Oh, hi. <laughs> There's something just so great about seeing you with the Andrew Cuomo is awful mug. I, it does brighten my day. You have a way of doing that, Janice. <laughs> it's my favorite mug of all times, too. <laughs> Wow. We're putting that in all the advertisements from now on. I hope you don't mind. 
totally fine. Um, I, I, thanks so much for coming back on. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to go through some of the developments uh, that have happened over the past few weeks. Um, probably the biggest one to me is this, I guess it was the sixth accuser um, who came out with really a, a, a complaint that that was a, a criminal action. This is no longer in the he was saying things that were insensitive phase. This was, uh, you know, an assault and uh, it may wind up uh, landing him in real legal trouble. Yes, it's just another thing that this guy has against him. And I said this today on social media. Any other company in America would at least have suspended him, mm. if not fired him. It's unbelievable that he has so many investigations. There's a federal investigation, an FBI investigation, and the Justice Department investigation. And now he's got seven women that have complained about his behavior, and one could be an assault. Why is he not, you know, taking a leave while they go through all of this information? Yeah, at the very least, you'd think that would be on the table. It, it, you know, it seems like we've come to the point in all of this, on this part of it at least, where the they're just going to wait for this investigation to, to play out. Um, he is saying he's not going to resign. There's a certain amount of uh, frustration you've seen from some local officials. But I think the Biden uh, statement where he came out and basically said, if we find something, he needs to go. People were like, oh, wow, he spoke out against Cuomo. Well, not really. I mean, this is exactly what Cuomo wants. This is what Cuomo is asking for. Right. And we know that he's not going to leave unless kicking and screaming out the door. But they could start the impeachment process. They could start that in the assembly with the legislature, uh, the legislators. And then he would have to leave as they conduct the impeachment. So I, I don't know what they're waiting for, Stu. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, is this because I I know putting my own bias into into this a little bit. Me too. Yeah, I mean, I I understand I have to hold myself accountable and make sure that I don't just convict him of every accusation because there are a lot of different things going on here. There are some politicians who are looking for his power. There are people we don't know what their motivations are, former employees. You don't know what you, you can't know every one of these things. So I try to keep these things in perspective. But is that what we're looking at here? Is there is there just a political calculation going on where they're saying, well, we don't want to impeach because that will be too aggressive against someone in our own party? That's a really good question. And the Me Too stuff, although is disgusting, of Mm. course, I find it a little bit disheartening only because this is what the bandwagon, the major news networks are hopping onto. you know. No woman should ever be put in this position. I have been sexually harassed before, and it's not good, and I reported it. And it's just another Andrew Cuomo power thing, right? Sexual harassment is not about sex. It's about power. And it, it goes with the person that we know, and that is he thinks he's the most powerful guy in the room. He uh, treats people like, you know what, like crap. Uh, he demeans people and wants them to feel little and small. Um, you know, I've certainly got it from his administration, you know, with their, she's not an expert on anything but the weather mm. and calling us a death cult. Um, so, but I, I don't want people to lose track 
of the fact that there are over 15,000 elderly people that died last year and are still dying. We're People are still not allowed to see their loved ones in nursing homes. It's incredible. You know, he came on and did a press conference, of course, with no reporters because he's not taking any questions right now um, about, you know, baseball, opening up baseball. But yet he won't let people see their loved ones in their elder care facilities. Stu, it's like, where's the humanity in all of this? Yeah, I know. I don't know. I mean, again, I'm putting my bias into this, but I don't know that he's capable of of those types of things. And people keep asking at some point you think he would feel shame over these actions, that he would feel the need to come out and say, look, what happened was was really wrong and I'm really sorry for it. I don't think he's internally capable of that sort of reflection. No, the only time I saw him pretending to be empathetic or sorry was the sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, stuff when he came on. Uh, but even then he was, he was kind of blaming the victim, you know, well, they took it the wrong way. I was only joking. Um, he, it's just really incredible. You know, when we look back on this time and of his leadership, because I think eventually, I think eventually, you know, he's not going to be able to run for a fourth term. I don't think, mm. uh, I mean, it would be, it would be absolute insanity if he ran for a fourth term. But I guess, you know, he doesn't have anything else in his life, apparently. He doesn't have another home aside from the governor's mansion. He doesn't have a girlfriend. Um, you know, he has his girls. I feel sorry for his family. Um, I do. I, I have empathy towards his three, uh, you know, children. Um, but, you know, I've also heard stories about how he's treated his ex-wife um, from the Kennedy side. And, you know, it's just unfortunately, I don't think this man is a very nice person. Yeah, <laughs> That's a, that is an understatement. And as you point out, Andrew Cuomo is awful with your mug. It's perfect timing for that. Um, let's go to this because I think, you know, you've been, you've correctly and I, th- I totally agree with your sentiment that you just pointed out uh, that. While the Me Too uh, element of this is really important and should not be dismissed by any means, it's like when you've already become responsible for thousands of people dying, it does it does make you wonder why people aren't focusing on that more often. Um, It's been interesting to see. I think you've had some exchanges with uh, with people that, you know, wouldn't maybe necessarily um, agree with someone who you're on Fox News, right? You're, you're not supposed to be able to uh, to agree with Ron Kim, right? Ron Kim has come out and he's he's been very supportive through this. Um, I, I saw that you also had an exchange with Ben Stiller, which was, I thought, pretty interesting um, uh, going back a little bit. Can you kind of tell people about what it's been like to talk to people um, from all sorts of backgrounds about these problems in New York? Well, I've met a lot of families uh, that have, you know, had the same thing happen to them. And I feel very bonded and close to them because we've all had this shared experience and all we all want answers. We still want to know where the March 25th order came from. We want to know why the numbers have been covered up. And he, you know, his administration has basically admitted that they covered up the numbers. But yes, Ron Kim and I have, have been friends for many months now. He had an uncle that died in a nursing home. So his, his journey is a personal one and he's been 
very vocal uh, against the governor and, you know, also sort of being an investigative journalist, you know, putting a lot of information out there about the fact that the governor clearly wasn't listening to science. So who was he listening to? And more and more, it looks like hospital lobbyists were the ones that were whispering in his ear saying, we want paying customers in our hospital. We Mm. don't want nursing home uh, people who might have the virus or have the virus. We need to get them out of here. Um, So, you know, there is more and more information leading to that. And then the fact that the governor had a blanket immunity put in place for all the nursing homes just like a day or two after he issued that March 25th order. So that's being investigated by the FBI. Um, So, and then all of those health officials that, that quit, nine of them, why did they quit? Is it because maybe the governor wasn't listening to them saying, maybe you shouldn't be putting COVID positive patients into nursing homes? And, you know, there are more whistleblowers. We had uh, a nursing home um, person, administrator that came on Fox News and basically admitted we, we didn't have a choice. You know, he thinks we had a choice. We didn't. We had to take these COVID positive patients. Um, so Ron Kim has been wonderful through all of this. And um, he's certainly been somebody by my side. The Ben Stiller uh, exchange was interesting because I've been very vocal about his supporters and trying to let them know, hey, have you heard about 9,000 COVID positive patients that were put into nursing homes for 46 days? And so when the governor was having a, a birthday party celebration where you could basically write a check for a thousand dollars to spend some zoom time with the governor and and that would go to his re-election campaign ben stiller was one of the celebrities on board with that so i i went on social media and say hey ben stiller did you know that your buddy who you're helping raise money for uh, put nine thousand covid positive patients into nursing homes and he responded basically saying well he's my friend and you probably don't like him uh you know, uh, go spread some sunshine. I'm paraphrasing. Right. Uh, and then, you know, people jumped on him and were like, Ben Stiller, don't you know Janice Dean's story? And to his credit, I guess, you know, he was schooled on why I've been so vocal on his buddy, Governor Cuomo. And he apologized and deleted his tweet. He's like one of the only guys that actually has apologized so um, I'll, I'll give Ben Stiller a pass. Yeah, yeah, that was actually kind of a cool moment. I feel like there's been a few of those here and there where people are, are having those moments, though they are a few and far between. Um, when it comes to Cuomo himself, I keep coming back to the same thing. And I think it goes I think there's a thread that runs through the Me Too allegations uh, to what we're seeing here today, which is a constant uh, thirst for more control. You know, there's a story during all of the nursing home uh, when that was first happening. Uh, a Brooklyn nursing home said, we can't hold these patients. We can't do anything. Can we put these patients instead onto this giant ship that is pulled up uh, to help you with COVID patients? That's empty. The Javits Center, which was basically empty. And he said no to this. There's, he tried to silence his critics uh, uh, from uh, about the nursing homes. He tried to silence his critics about the Me Too allegations. There's this, there's this incredible desire to control everything, usually by threats and f- threats of force and, and uh, visceral uh, language um, that he has now been caught on, on tape using. This stuff is really disturbing, and I think 
no matter whether you think he's innocent of some of these things, that has been there. It's been confirmed by a hundred sources over the years, and it's not going away as long as this guy's in office. That's a good point. And I think it's it it goes to the old saying, you know, if one person stands up, then other people will feel that they can stand up too. I think that's what's happening with reporters. I think that's what's happening with uh, the Me Too uh, movement is one person stands up, Lindsay Boylan, and then others feel more comfortable to stand with them. And mm-hmm. I've certainly found that with my relationship with Ron Kim and lawmakers now and reporters coming forward and saying, this is the way this guy has always been but now they feel that it's okay to to finally tell their truth and i'm okay with that it took a long time i guess um better late than never as they say Mm. um before we let you go uh, we're gonna be talking to you about your book in the coming uh, episode but i wanted to ask you about something you posted on social media about the view um, you know, p- people, you, you've come on the show a bunch of times and, and, and talked about your story, but you're this, you know, this has not been your life. You're not like this ideal, you know, certainly not a, a, a political ideologue. You don't come out and you don't make, you know, statements about the news. Typically, this is a very special circumstance. Your book is Make Your Own Sunshine. Like this is a book uh, and, and you've had a pr- previous book as well that that it's just trying to make people happy and bring some light into the world. It seems like it would be something that would be perfect for The View, but they won't take you. Is this related to Andrew Cuomo? I think 100%. And I was actually on The View two years ago with my my book, my other book, Mostly Sunny, which was a, a memoir. Megan and McCain and I, Megan McCain and I are very close. We've known each other for probably a decade now. She's actually brought my family up many times on The View as early as May of last year um, when I started to get vocal about the governor. And so it's you know, they've been really reluctant to cover Andrew Cuomo. And we mentioned Ben Stiller. Well, Whoopi Goldberg was one of the people that were also that was also helping the governor celebrate his birthday ah. and campaign. Right. Mm. And, and raise funds for him. So I think they have been very slow to talk about him. But a couple of weeks ago, they had Ron Kim on, which I was very pleased with. Um, and they did have the governor on when he was promoting his fictional leadership book and really didn't ask about the nursing homes. So I had my publicist asked a couple of times if I could come on and talk about the book and and then, you know, tell my family's story because it's a New York story and it should be one of the biggest stories in New York history when it comes to COVID. Um, But there were several no's. And I also found out internally that my name has been brought up before to have on as a guest and it was always no. So um, I'm, I'm pretty sure why. Mm, No, it's fascinating. You should get the book. It's called make your own sunshine by Janice Dean, inspiring stories of people who find light in dark times. I mentioned we're going to talk to Janice again about the book here in the coming weeks. Thanks so much for coming back on the program and and catching us all up on all of this. You're the best. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, uh, Janice. Andrew Cuomo is awful.com as Janice points out. Uh, Janice, thanks so much for coming on the program. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, my friend. I'll get back in a second.
So Coors Field is likely to be the new stadium for the MLB All-Star Game, a game you know, most people don't really care about, frankly. Even if you like sports, you don't really care about it. Although, you know, it used to be a nice summer tradition. Seems to be kind of going down the tubes lately. Uh, of course, t Colorado has other rules that should be problematic to the same people who are upset about Georgia's rules, but that's not going to make any difference here. Uh, I, the game uh, last night here in Texas was the first sporting event in North, uh, in North America, I believe, but certainly in the United States of America, to have full capacity. About 40,000 people were there. I was there uh, as well as my son. Um, we have uh, some, this is kind of what it looked like. And it, you know what it looks like is every other freaking year. <laughs> like the old time, the old timey uh, stadium where like it would be full and you just go and you'd say, hey, there's all the people and all the seats. That's just the way it works. And it was nice to be back into that environment. Uh, Greg Abbott, our governor here in Texas, did not come because he was boycotting the game because of uh, Major League Baseball's uh, stance against the voting law. He was going to throw out the first pitch, I guess, and uh, instead uh, didn't show. Uh, which, again, I, you know me, I, I'm not always in the majority among conservatives on this point. I just boycott boycotts. I don't like them. There's multiple reasons I don't like them. First of all, it's impossible to be consistent on a boycott. You're always supporting people that you're uh, that have different views than you. And of course, this is like the foundation of capitalism. If you go back and you look at how how our system came together, it really sprouted out of a an old barter system that used to be really problematic because you couldn't trade with other tribes. You know, tribe one would go to tribe two. They hated each other. They were at war all the time and they couldn't get the resources back and forth between the tribes that both tribes needed because, you know, they hated each other and they kept killing each other when they make the trades. Uh, so they eventually got to a place where there was an intermediate uh, form of, of transfer called currency. Uh, and capitalism makes it, you know, so you go into a place. I mean, you think you go into a restaurant, you think the people at the, that restaurant support your conservative views. Sometimes they might. A lot of times they don't. You know, uh, you're driving a car from a company that may or may not support your values. Like, you, you don't need to align with everything. It's great when you find that company that does align with your values. I know, uh, you know, we've talked about some of them here on the program. The, obviously, the advertisers here align well. And, and, and taking positive action towards a company that agrees with your values is a great thing to do. But I'm not going to let some dumb activist take away a sport that I love. I mean, uh, that's letting, giving them con too much control of my life. I don't, I don't want to give up that control. It's mine. I, if I want to enjoy a sport, I'm not going to go to them for political advice, but if I want to go enjoy a sport, I'm going to go do it. And I'm going to go do it uh, every time the stupid Toronto Blue Jays are in town, even though they won't let them back in their own country. That's just the way it works. And I'm going to enjoy myself doing it. If you don't want to do that, if you don't get enjoyment out of the sport, then don't go see it, right? Sometimes these things overwhelm your ability to enjoy the actual sport. And if that happens, it's their loss, not yours. Uh, but I, at this point, am, am fine going to see these games. And I, I, I really had a good time seeing some, like, normalcy again. It felt normal. There was very little, you know, there was masks. Uh, you're supposed to wear coming in the stadium, walking around out, you know, if you're going to get food or whatever. And some people did it. Some people didn't. I, I didn't do it most of the time. Um, there was at one point a lady did say, could you put your mask on very politely one time out of probably the 10 times I walked up to get food because obviously you need about 10 meals while you're at a sporting event. Uh, so but it was very it was very loose and restrictive. It's an outdoor stadium. Very little chance of anything going wrong. In fact, there have been no identified super spreader events outdoors in global history when it comes to coronavirus. 
Just something you might want to know. That's not from me. New York Times has outlined this. Many others have as well. It's important to uh, be aware of it. By the way, uh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott also uh, passed an executive order prohibiting vaccine passports. This is something that's become kind of trendy on the right. Uh, DeSantis kind of led the way on this uh, publicly. Abbott's doing it now as well. You see the big contenders sort of aligning here on this particular point. I really do think, and I know I've made this point before, if you wanted vaccine passports, you needed to have them in place six months ago. You can't be like, let's come up with a technology for vaccine passports. Now, I don't want them at all. I think it violates uh, all sorts of sensibilities of the United States and probably is not constitutional the way it's been talked about. But beyond that, we're going to be past this before the, the technology is even there. It's not going to be widespread enough. We're already seeing uh, the White House is even coming out and saying they're not going to go for vaccine passports. I feel like this is just yet another conversation that is just disconnected to the actual thing we're dealing with. Uh, vaccine passports are bad, but I don't think they're coming. I think we're way too far along on the uh, on actually vaccinating people for it to matter. Uh, so we'll see how that develops. Uh, you know, you never get surprised by government going for more power. But hopefully in this case, we're not going to have to deal with this particular threat, at least right now. When running a business, HR issues can absolutely kill you. Wrongful termination suits, ma uh, minimum wage requirements, all the government crap, labor, labor regulations. And if you want to get an HR manager uh, to do this, which you need somebody to be doing it, uh, they're not cheap. We're talking about $70,000 a year for somebody. That's why Bambi was created. B-A-M-B-E-E. -E. B-A-M-B-E-E. -E. was created specifically for your small business. Your dedicated HR manager is available by phone, email, or real-time chat. And when I say dedicated, I mean you're not going to like a pool of a thousand people. I'm talking about you're going to the same person because they're dedicated to your business. You can go month to month. You can get you can do this all with no hidden fees. You can cancel anytime. Go to Bambi.com slash stew right now to schedule your free HR audit. We're talking about like $99 a month to get started here. This is a big difference from $70,000 a year. Bambi.com slash stew. Don't forget the slash stew part of the address because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Bambi.com slash stew. Everything is racist. You think everything is racist, and you would be right. Uh, the rapper Exhibit, which I know you know all of their work, obviously, their big hits and such, uh, they uh, have, or I guess he has a, um, a pot company. He's selling cannabis because that's legal now, sort of. And uh, he's named his company Napalm Cannabis. That is racist, obviously, because napalm was used in a war against Vietnam and we're supposed to stop AAPI hate or something. I think that's why. Now, of course, you'll be surprised to hear that the, the weed company does not actually napalm Asian Americans. That's not... Uh, not what happens here. It just gets people high. It gets people really high. I, I, I don't know if it's a good product or not, frankly, but it gets people really high. It does not light them on fire. It does not burn the skin off people. It's just a name. And everyone knows it's just a name until like two weeks ago when we all decided everyone was going to be mega sensitive about everything. So I'm sorry, Exhibit, 
your pot company is now racist. In a story that I'm sure Jeffy's been talking about on his podcast, uh, women have been arrested for taking a naked photo in Dubai. They got out on the balcony and they took a picture of it. And here it is. And now you can't see any. Don't pause the TV. Can't see anything there. But that is uh, apparently a big deal in Dubai. And it's important to understand that cultures are different. Uh, You know, here in America, we're a pretty equal place. You know, you can do anything you want. You can run a company. You can transition from a man to a woman and then become the assistant secretary of health. You can do anything in this country. One thing you can't do, be naked in Dubai. Keep those clothes on, ladies. We'll see you tomorrow.